Welcome to my Idaho friends. I am your host, Jaime Lima, and we will be having conversations with business owners and centers of influence throughout the state of Idaho. Please make sure you follow us on our YouTube page and our Instagram, and I hope you enjoy the show. Cheers. So I'm not going to do the thing where I start cursing right away because I don't know that I'm live or not. So I'm just going to make the assumption that I'm live. And uh, hello, are we live? We are live. All right. So hello, everybody. This is Jaime here with my Idaho friends and um, working in conjunction with Argus Productions. You guys just saw Cody and Erica make some bomb-ass food. Looked amazing and delicious. Who doesn't want to have essentially dessert for dinner with coffee? I do. And I guess, you know, when you create a pattern, you create a pattern. Um, delicious craft beer. This one brought to you by Barbarian Brewing Neo Wolf. And right now we are waiting to get connected with Drew. Drew Rona of Tree Fort fame. Um, let's see here. Argus, do we have visual? And we have visual. I like it. Let's start the interview with a nice touch of the face. <laughs> Drew, can you hear me okay? Yeah, I can. Excellent. Awesome. Hey, brother. Thank you for making time for joining us today at my Idaho friends. We got 30 minutes to talk about all the things, but the one thing that I really want to talk to you about is tree fort. So we're going to do a couple of questions, some stuff that is going to be, you know, things that you have answered many and many a times before, and then we're going to uh, speed up and, and get some of the things we get to look forward as September comes nearer and nearer, which is the date in which uh, Tree4 got moved to. So uh, would you uh, mind just telling the folks at home a little bit about yourself and how you got involved with Tree4? And cheers. Uh, yeah, so I am one of the founders of the festival, which started nine years ago. Uh, initially, we had set out just to try to bring better talent to Boise and really our plan was to open a physical concert venue but eventually the advice we got was uh, just start doing shows just start sort of identifying the interest in the community build a reputation amongst agents build a reputation amongst performers uh, and so we connected with someone in the community who had experience promoting shows, Eric Gilbert, who's now our festival director. Uh, and he had the nice. idea, well, why, why spread out all that labor? Why not try a festival? He had sort of been brainstorming uh, the idea to do a festival. Capitalize on all the bands returning to the Pacific Northwest after that event. And so that's what sort of hatched Tree Fort. Uh, and we got a ton of positive feedback and so um, what started out as a two-day a, a planned two-day event immediate became um just been growing awesome so 
I like that part, you know, capitalizing on, you know, the, the other festival, you know, down south and a few people have heard about it, South by Southwest. And then what you're saying is some of them are coming back. Some of them are still nearby. It's just like a short drive and fly to Idaho. Let's go ahead and pull the trigger on this tree for thing and see what kind of talent we can get. Inside. Um, what was that like that those those first couple of years uh you know and then you know we'll fast forward as to what it's like now which is massive in my opinion you know, still you know you consider a smaller festival but when you're here during tree fort which i know you know i'm a big fan of like you know the whole town the whole city is involved what was that like in the very beginning attendance numbers and the number of bands that were involved so the first year we had 185 bands, I believe, uh, which was pretty crazy considering we had initially set out to do something, you know, we were thinking like 20, 30, couple of days. Um, and so attendance, you know, what's, what's kind of rough is because we were all green and we had never done anything like this before we did not initiate the best record keeping so the attendance for the first several years things like that we um we just didn't do a good job of tracking our data um i would say first couple of years was probably three or four thousand people um okay. probably more on like the weekends you know, Friday night and Saturday night are big nights for us. Um, so it's it's kind of funny because we we when we sort of grew up, we switched ticketing companies and really started tracking our attendance and tracking our data and seeing what tickets were selling, what tickets weren't selling, trying to offer affordable options for families and for people on a budget. So as we got better at putting on events, we sort of identified that we had to get better at running a business too so that's kind of when we started seriously tracking sales and attendance numbers as opposed to just being a bunch of kids trying to throw a party basically right and i'm so glad you brought that up because i wanted to touch a little bit on that is the business aspect of it so uh, you know somebody that might be watching or already familiar with tree ford you know it's just off the back of their head, you know, it's just like a big ass party, but you know, it's a very well organized big ass party. Um, would you would you mind talking a little bit about what your role is within Treefort and, and what the roles are for the rest of the of the OGs along with you um, for the festival? Yeah, so my day to day is basically business development, fundraising. So I, uh, I run a small team that coordinates all the uh, sponsorship revenue for the festival. So that takes up the lion's share of my time, is having meetings and then the creative work behind uh, creating the, uh, the activations for these sponsors. Because Treefort's not a nonprofit, all the support we get from businesses right is a transaction it's a marketing expense for them so we have to come up with ways to uh, deliver insights or connections that, that those sponsors are looking for so that's the majority of my time um, i also run all the sales 
side of the festival. So the ticketing and the box office operations are also in my purview. Um, I have a really talented team that has been with the festival for many years now that helped me with that. So I'm less, uh, I don't have to respond to every email requesting a ticket transfer or a refund like right. I did seven years ago. Um, those are my main two like day-to-day -day projects. And then um, all the founders on the festival meet weekly just to have sort of high level discussions on strategy and vision um, and the other founders uh, about half of us are still operational so our marketing mm -hmm. director uh, and our festival director are um, active and then our assistant festival director um, has also been on the leadership team for many years and the rest of our leadership team is people who sort of skirt the line between operational roles and more of like a traditional board member role where they're um, less uh -huh. involved in the day-to-day -day activities um, our founder our primary founder and the the person who financed the festival um, she she kind of is has a foot in both sides she runs kind of the finances of the event um, and sort of acts as a chairman of the uh, the founding board i guess is what you would call it we call it a leadership team. we we strive to not use like corporate terminology whenever possible because we do rely a lot on volunteers and a lot on community support so we try to keep our uh, our hierarchy labeling as horizontal as possible a team environment and and that's uh, i'm so glad you brought that up we're we're totally connecting over here drew because not everybody gets to work over you know more than just one single handful of years and, and you know and and you know create something out of nothing because you know looking back you know ballpark figure you know you have in attendance you know what i think you mentioned three four thousand people as to you know what you're looking at nowadays um just in the in the in the last handful of years is significantly larger um so to start a project like this with your friends and then being able to maintain said relationships and then also maintain a good professional relationship speaks volumes of how you guys go about conducting business together all right because it's, it's one thing to start a fun project with each other and then next thing you know it's like okay so we have uh, what you mentioned 180 bands or 130 or whatever in the beginning and now you know you're looking at 500 plus bands and everybody wants to be involved in one way or another uh if 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 somebody cannot afford to be a sponsor there's going to be 10 other people behind them wanting and willing to be a sponsor no matter what uh so so that's that's pretty cool looking back in the beginning and again you know we'll fast forward a little bit back then the festival was just a festival or was it already you know getting close as to what we know it as right now uh, and the reason why i'm asking that is because during during the time when the festival started i, I wasn't even in the country i, I didn't even know what three four was and uh i'm still surprised now that i've been back here like the last five years there's people here in in idaho that do not know what three four is so so back then was just music but nowadays you know you you, you have a, a number of partnerships you know just not to take any thunder away from you but you got 
you know, story for, you know, you got hack for, there's ill for. Um, will you go a little bit over, you know, that growth and how different it was back then as it is right now? Yeah, so first, yeah, so said something in, the, in that conversation there, like we, we actually have had to do a lot of growing as a, as a team. We did, we've had our ups and downs and we actually did some leadership training a couple of years ago that was really helpful and it allowed us to grow um, a group of friends and uh, sort of inexperienced people to actually like treating this like a business, which it had become. And so the leadership training was uh, really beneficial. Like I kind of rolled my eyes at it at first, but um, leaning into it and engaging with it actually became really, really helpful. And we overcame personal road roadblocks that seemed impossible to overcome. Like we got, we had gotten to the point, you know, and some of us are like, we're so close. We're basically like siblings and siblings fight and siblings argue. And we were getting to the point where we would get into these, these scuffles as, as friends that would have lasting impact as business partners. And so we, we engaged in this leadership training and it like basically completely changed how we work together. And so um, awesome. that growth was happening personally. And then, like you mentioned, you know, the festival began as a pretty straightforward concept of music and um, music often goes hand in hand with alcohol, whether people like that or not. So Alefort was part of year one as well. Um, and then that has since grown oh. into what we call forts, which are um, you know members of the community basically approaching us and saying, I'm really passionate about this. I have an idea. Um, would you indulge that idea? And um, after some vetting and internal discussion, we, we bring people on board and let them try their concept. And if the concept has enough legs with the community, it becomes a fort. So like you were mentioning, now we have hack fort, food fort, ale fort, yoga fort, story fort, drag fort became an official fort this year. So we, we keep adding forts based on the passions of what the community uh, wants to rally around, you know, we're yeah. any reason for people to gather and celebrate something. We try to give that a platform at the festival. Um, you know, that's hard. It's hard to draw a line um, with what fits treatment yeah. and what doesn't, but we try to at least have coffee and talk through every idea that gets pitched. So um, you know, and as the festival has grown, we've had to say no to some ideas and that that have been good ideas. And we've had to say yes to ideas that um, turned out to be incredible hit, you know, so it's like you never know. Yeah, I think uh, if I recall when I mean, I moved back to Idaho a few years ago and I remember I think Yoga Ford mostly takes place over at the jump building. And you cannot fit another single soul while yoga for is taking place. Yeah. You'd be like, oh, I guess everybody yeah. does yoga. And, uh, you know, 
you have kids, I, I have kids, and uh, you know, but mine are, are toddling around. So we'll turn the skip forward, and it's just brilliant. It's, I mean, it's more than just a bunch of cardboard boxes, but there's it's just this really cool aspect of I want to go enjoy the festival, but it's not going to be just music and drinking beer all the time. I can implement my family into it, go and pull them on the wagon around downtown and get into like build some cool stuff and attend like games with other kids and there'll be a storytelling portion and there'll be books and whatnot. So I think that's pretty awesome. Um, so I love like personal and professional development and you were touching, you know, how you guys as a team uh, and as you know, as a business decided, you know, to to get some coaching. Who who do you guys go to for that? Um, we went with this uh, with this firm that I believe is no longer um, practicing, but they are called Abby Louie. Um, and okay. I, I think that I can actually like if you want. Um, or not, I'm sorry, that's not, that's not accurate at all. Um, it was called Louie Robertson. Abby Louie is one of the partners and she's actually still practicing, um, coaching in the treasure Valley. Um, so I can share the info with you if there's like a, you know, Facebook feed or something you want to put their contact info out there, but, um, absolutely. So yes, was the partnership at the time and it was a great, it was a totally great experience. Yeah, this is a major investment. I mean, and it clearly is paying off. Do do you guys? Um, I I guess uh, how how to ask? Do you guys continue to meet with her or part of the team, even though they're not together, in order just kind of to reinforce those things that you that you guys learned and practiced, you know, some years ago, or has it just been just the one time, one shot, one kill, and you guys are just taking taking it from there? So it's pretty cool. So, so there's cool. Abby and uh, and a gentleman named Steve, and Steve, I believe, went and he 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 left coaching and went and pursued another career direction. But what was really cool was we wanted to do a follow up. Um, right, that's what I meant to say. Follow up. So our coaching session lasted lasted like you know six weeks or something but we wanted to do a follow-up a year later and so he yeah, like like came out of retirement so to speak to like do one last rodeo and they did a follow-up like half day session with our team and sort of worked through uh, steve and abby worked through this uh this project to its completion with us um, and and sort of had like a year a year uh, in review kind of session over lunch and so we were able to kind of um, give each other feedback you know talking about what goals we had set and whether we had met those goals or not so it was pretty cool um, that even though their their practice together had sort of come to its its conclusion that they came back and like worked with us one last time. Um, it just goes to show that like, you know, people are passionate about their work here, even if it's, you know, yeah. not like, like you can find almost anything. And as I feel like um, have, go that little bit of extra 
mild, you you go you become on a first name basis, and so it's like helping out a friend. That's pretty rad. So, is it safe to assume then that there was the the original six week session, then there was the year in review session uh, a year later? Has there been any any follow ups ever since, or have now it's just kind of you guys alone and unafraid? Uh, there. So now, I mean, it is definitely like pushing the baby bird out of the nest kind of thing. Like now we have the, um, the vocabulary and the skills to sort of self diagnose problems when they arise. And we use language that we developed, um, through that experience with each other more openly. Um, Mm -hmm. And it's easy to fall into old habits. You know, we definitely like pinpoint moments when we, we sort of regress, but because we went through that coaching, it, it's easier to identify the, the, the old habits forming and, um, you know, sort of trim that, trim that growth off and keep things going in the right direction. All right. Super, super curious. And, and this will be the last leadership type time. I'm just fascinated by the whole thing. So I've gone through some training and there's been a, a number of different leadership capacity roles that I've been in and, and training that I've uh, taken a part in. Was that the time when you guys were working, you know, uh, with this team? And were, you, were you guys able to create, you know, a, a vision, identify, you know, values as a team, you know, what the values are for Treefort, and then adjust as to what the yearly goals are going to be? Or is there, was there anything like that at all? Yeah, so it started as kind of a interpersonal um, learning individual leadership skills. And then when we figured that bit out, we transitioned into how do you set some goals as a team? How do you set goals for other people? Um, and it's, I'll be honest, it's hard with an um, organization like Treefort that is so, uh, it's sort of like, an aspen grove right like a bunch of separate trees with the same root system like it's not as it's not a, a it's not a hierarchy we have leadership but ideas come from everywhere and so it's a it's it's hard to get a vision that is too specific other than like right. we have a saying that has become a mantra which is tree fort is for everyone um and we also just very strongly value community which which that cat that phrase sort of comes out of and so um we tend to just use that you know we haven't we haven't specifically like written down a uh set of commandments that make tree fort what tree fort is but we all sort of know um, that when a decision needs to be made, we need to make that decision um, in the best interests of the entire community, not just what might be good for us as the four or five right. people that own the festival. That's beautiful. I love it. I love it. Because had you guys written something down, it would have been a living document that, that would have required for you guys to update on a continuous basis. So that's that's really rad. Thank you for sharing that. That 
that, that definitely scratched an edge for me as far as what we were talking about. Um, sure. Well, let's, you know, we're at 618 right now. Let's talk a little bit more about present day and, and, and what holds, you know, like the, the, what the future is looking like. Um, right now, of course, everybody, you know, is taking, you know, is, is dealing, you know, with, with, with the hits of, of the current, you know, global pandemic. Uh, Three, four, just about like any other event or anything that is happening all around the world was canceled because you know we cannot have people you know close together. Don't want to postpone. Don't want anybody to get sick. Postpone and push to uh, what date again? When in September? September twenty third through the twenty seventh. Beautiful. So uh, I guess the first question, and it might seem like a silly question, but will there be a tree fort? I mean, you said it postponed, but there's so many unknowns. As of right now, there will be a tree fort in, in those dates. Yeah, so we uh, we got really lucky in that we had our event. Our event was very close to when a lot of this uh, uncertainty started to really emerge as like a, a, a change catalyst in like locally and, and all over the world. So why that, why yeah. that benefits us is we had, we had sold a lot of tickets and we had not yet had to pay a lot of our uh, big expenses. So we mm. were in a very good spot because we had, you know, we, we basically, when this started coming down, we, we had a meeting and we said, what, what can we afford to do and what can't we afford to do? And, um, postponing just started to look really good. And, and the bands were interested, you know, right. bands, were starting to cancel tours, other concerts were getting canceled and, and, a a postponement really like it gave people a lot of hope. Um, the time frame was long enough that we thought that we were allowing for a lot of uncertainty to still run its course. And we, we knew we had enough money. Um, you know, we, we, we trusted our fans to not, ev if, if, you know, we trusted that not every single person would ask for a refund we made a decision to offer refunds right. for a week for people that thought they needed the money. Um, and most of our fans kept their tickets and, and we, so we're in a pretty good financial spot and we actually applied for one of the PPP loans uh, as part of the bailout. And I would encourage every small business to look into that because we, you know, we're gonna we're gonna take part in you know little Tree Fort Music Fest in Boise, Idaho is gonna take part in this bailout, and it's gonna you know it's going to help us make it to September and make the festival happen. So um, I'm feeling really good about where we're at because we, like I said, we got lucky in that all of the everything the wave was breaking ready to make a choice um and a lot of events that happen later in the spring you know they 
they had a tougher decision to make because is it going to open back up or is it not? You know, that, and, and, and for us, it was like, it's almost riskier to do an event where 20% of your people don't show up because they're, they're concerned, you know, having a, having a poorly attended event event is more financially ruinous than postponing an event to a time when it's going to be a success. So um, you want to do, if you can afford to do it, you want to do it so that, that people feel good about the experience, that they're not nervous, they're not, you know, they're not staying home out of insecurity or, 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 you know, worry that it's going to flare back up, you know, so it's really like, and that being said, you know, we don't know how this is going to go. And if this goes for six more months, I think a a lot of small businesses are going to be in trouble, not just tree fork. So, um, we, at a certain yeah. point, we just have to sit There's back a and, like, and, and like ride the ride the snake a little bit, you know, and just like trust that that we can we can uh, pull through as a society. Because at the end of the day, like no, yeah, you know, yeah, business ownership is a risk. All right, whether it's, it's a brick and mortar, whether you're talking about a music festival, whether you're talking about e-commerce, you're, you're taking a risk. All right, so anytime that you're going to open up a business, whether it's by yourself or with you know with some awesome friends, you're rolling the dice. You know that people are going to want to consume your product, that they're going to buy you know your services, and, and they're going to see the value proposition as to what you're bringing to the table. Uh, the same way, you know, that if you decide that you're going to want to, like, purchase a rental property, well, you know, I don't make any money if, like, somebody doesn't move in there. It's all, you know, a, a give and take. And, and uh, I, I like the position that you guys are in. Uh, you know, um, right now, you know, everybody's concerned, of course, about the pandemic. Uh, different parts of the world are going to experience different spikes. Um, uh, and I, I talk directly with um uh, Dr. Tom Kaufman, who happens to be my father-in-law, who happens to be one of the handful of um, infectious diseases doctors in the state, and who we're going to do an interview with him uh, next week, next Monday, actually, exactly a week from now. And that's going to be one of the questions, you know, when are we going to experience or spike here in Idaho? Because it's going to be different everywhere else. And uh, and and the most important question, uh, when do we think that second spike is going to happen? Um, so, but I completely agree with you, Drew. I, I, I think definitely postponing the festival and maintaining it and, and keeping it and believing on the on the value proposition that you guys bring to the city. I, I mean, j- just oh man, we're running out of time. I got so many more questions. Ballpark figure, like, what does it look like uh, as far as like you know our local economy when Trefor is when Trefor is, is taking place? What does that do for our downtown? What does that do for the city? Uh, ballpark figure, money wise. So we did uh, the Boise Convention and Visitors Bureau helped us do a economic impact study um, last year, and they estimated it around, I think, forty million dollars of economic impact, which is pretty sweet for a five-day event where. Uh, you're looking at the same attendance. Like we we have an attendance estimate of about 30,000 people. That is a okay. unattended Broncos football game. 
So the same amount of people that go to one Boise State game bring $40 million of economic impact to Boise. And, and, you know, part of that is it's a five-day event. It's more like going on vacation than it is going downtown for for a night, you know. So so people right. people get hotel rooms, they eat out every meal, they shop more, they spend more time at other downtown businesses. So um, it's a pretty big deal. Um, and that's why, you know, my heart goes out to a lot of these service industries downtown is it's a big deal to a lot of people. There's a lot of, uh, there's a lot of service industry and gig economy workers that depend on events and not even just events, but like nightlife and and socializing in general yeah. have been hit really hard by this um and so that's a big part of why we were like we have to postpone like we have to we have to provide a light at the end of the tunnel not just for attendees but for the bands and the bartenders and the cooks and you know everyone that like you know big events and and an active downtown are a big part of how they maintain their livelihood so you know that that's when it's sort of one of those things where like you know the the second this thing eases up and the second we get the all clear i think that you're gonna see this crazy almost like carnival like atmosphere when people finally get to like go out and meet each other and talk oh, yeah. and hug and dance again gonna i, I agree crazy, <laughs> you know, opening of the floodgates where suddenly like people who haven't been to a concert in 20 years go out just because they want to see and be around other people. No, I, yeah. So for those of you at home watching, uh, Drew and I don't live that far from each other and we get together uh, with another group of friends and do friend stuff. And I'm already here just kind of like, oh, when is it going to come the time to get out of here? So uh, yeah, you're absolutely right. I'm sure everybody's just, it's going to be like a carnival. So we are almost out of time. Two quick questions and, and just bear with me, Drew, try to answer them as quickly as you can. What is it looking like as far as the number of bands that are going to be coming in September? Uh, and I know that can change. There's some time, just ballpark figures, cool. And then two, which one are your top three? Okay, so most of the bands, because a lot of the tours that were happening this spring also got postponed, we got the majority of our bands back, which is really nice. cool. Um, we have we got lucky there too in that a lot of the performers that we book at Treefort are smaller independent acts they're regional bands so they're just as eager as anyone else to get back to the way things were and so when we did the postponement you know we were met with a ton of support so i would be i wouldn't be surprised if we had more bands in the fall than we announced this spring. We already announced some bands uh, and the, the response we got was incredible. Um, as far as my top three uh, acts, so I have a plug just for a local, um, a local band called the Seatopians. They uh, group of young guys and they do like instrumental surf rock to 
old Godzilla movies and it's really entertaining. Uh, <laughs> maybe, you know, That's awesome. it's, yeah, it's, it's the type of thing where you're, you know, you might not sit at home and listen to that music, but you're going to have a great time at the show. Um, and they're local, so you don't need to go to tree fort to catch them. Um, that, that was like when Mega Ran also, showed up. Like I've never listened to Mega Ran, and it's like, pfft. yeah, exactly. Uh, it's it's one of the like that's what Tree Fort's all about is like a good live show. You know, we watch we watch YouTube videos of bands performing live because um, an album only tells you so much. Um, so right. then I would I would also encourage people. You know. Uh, another band that I would say is something to to maybe dig into uh, further is Joshy Soul. He filled in as a headliner last year. He's played in Boise a couple of times since then. He's an incredible party. Um, again, it, it's his music is actually great, recorded and live. So there's no reason to to wait on him. Um, and then. Uh, our headliner Chromatics is also incredible, um, and that's another album that you can just sit at home, like get the vinyl, relax, put your headphones on, um, and enjoy uh, until Tree Fort swings around again in September. Good, that is awesome, Drew. I want to thank you for your time. Thank you for going back down memory lane, explaining the roots of Tree Fort as on going into details about, you know, what the business is, uh, you know, my Idaho friends is all about talking about local businesses, business owners, and, you know, their, their style of leadership and, and and their impact within the community. And clearly you guys are tremendously impactful. Uh, and as a big fan of Tree Fort, I cannot wait for September to come around so we can go and party all together. Um, also, many thanks uh, to Justin and Erica from Argos Productions for allowing me to have my Idaho friends here here on Argus TV, their platform. I really appreciate you guys. Thank you very much from the bottom of my heart. And to follow up on something uh, that Drew mentioned, as far as like, you know, you're a business owner, an individual, taking advantage of uh, the government program right now, especially if you're a local business owner, a great source of information is uh, the COVID-19 page on the Boise Metro uh, Chamber of Commerce website. Just run a quick Google search and there's gonna be a great deal of information. Uh, more than likely everybody, hopefully, knock on wood, has applied for it. Um, but if, if you have not and you still have questions, that's a great source of information for you and the local level. Uh, again, also thank you for Barbarian Brewing for making delicious beer. Been slamming those and Lost Grove and Burr Island and White Dog and Merryweather Cider and goodness gracious, am I gonna go dizzy with all the beers <laughs> I'm drinking here at home? Not all I at still once. Need to get some within moderation. Yeah. I'll hook you up. Um, and with that, uh, I bid you uh, all goodbye. Hey Idaho, uh, stay frosty, stay safe, and whenever you get a chance, continue to be kind to each other. Thank you very much, Andrew. We'll see you later.